0: In the where and when of 2018, two friends, fellow travelers on the Path of the Beam, got together and decided to reread The Dark Tower and created a side podcast in The Midnight Myth called The Wheel of Ka. After completing the whole series, Derek and Steve decided to come back for one last coda, one last time, to talk about The Dark Tower. We want to know what we learned through this project We want to know what we've gained and we want to know what it means to start the whole thing over again. The Midnight Myth presents the coda of the Wheel of Ka. (music) Fellow travelers on the path of the beam, Derek and Steve coming back to you. You know, after our last episode, Steve and I instantly started talking about wanting to do a kind of Wrap up. We've read seven books. It took us a little over a year. We've been, we've done 13 podcast episodes and we really wanted to kind of just sit down and let our brains in a very n- informal way. Yeah. Kind of talk about our tower experience.
1: As if the commentary that I've given hasn't been informal up until this point, but yes, no, I know what you mean. It's like a, like a little fireside chat. Exactly. Exactly. And I thought of a few
0: things, a few questions that I had that I, I in particular wanted to ask you, Steve.
1: Before we get to those, do you remember how we were going to do one episode just like this about all the whole the series, books, which is basically what we're doing now? Yes.
0: <laughs> and then we decided we couldn't do that. All Let's read right, You, you, you it. See want to
1: rapid fire some questions at me? I'm terrified.
0: Uh, don't be. Don't be scared. No, so, I mean, you know, Steve and I have done no um, preparation or rundown <laughs> literally none. for this. We knew that we wanted to do this episode, and I kind of came up with the idea of, why don't I ask you a few questions? Yeah. Steve wanted to know what those questions were ahead of time, and I'm like, I think it would be more fun if you didn't. So I'm going <laughs> well, to just fire a, these ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a much more productive way to get my anxiety out than just sitting on my couch looking out the window and wondering, if the world's going to start again. So hey, this is great. <laughs> hey, I never said
0: podcasting would be easy. No, not at all. But it's Uh, been a blast. It really has. All right, hit me. Hit me with the first one. First question that I have for you, and this is oddly specific, and I wanted to ask you this in the last episode. Mm -hmm. However, I forgot slash (laughs) ran out of time. It was a long one. But in the last um, chapter, before we get to the epilogue and the coda, Roland shouts the names and he goes through the door. Mm -hmm. And before he goes through the door, the uh, Stephen King writes that a horn has been sounded. Mm-hmm. And I really want to know, cause I know you're a musician. I myself am a
1: musician. What horn did you hear? A trumpet. I was a trumpet player. You heard? I mean, yeah, immediately. I heard a trumpet too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I it's the first instrument I ever played. And so anytime I hear a horn reference, I, I go one of two places. I either go immediately to a trumpet or, or funny enough, a French horn. Cause that French horn is fucking hard to play. But no, a trumpet. Absolutely. But you hear a brass instrument. Oh, oh
0: yes. Because I think, you know, and then I said that. And the reason I wanted to ask you is I I read that, that great last question. bit to Laurel. And I told her that I heard a trumpet. And she goes, I think that's really meant to be more like the horn of Boromir. Like an actual like horn from an animal that's been turned. Oh, sure. And I'm like. Huh?
1: I wonder what Steve heard. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I'm also biased because like I said, anytime I hear reference to a horn, well, I mean, I mean, I can challenge that true because if it's fantasy, I would think of, you know, Boromir's horn, but, but no, in this I did, I heard a trumpet immediately. Yeah.
0: Other than hearing like Cuthbert's horn, I heard a trumpet as well. And that that comes from me having done marching band and as a drummer I always think of horns as brass instruments, first and
1: foremost. You know, I had a friend. I heard a trumpet. Total aside, I had a friend tell me once that I write melodies as a musician, like a horn player. And so that makes sense. It's the first instrument I played. Yeah, that's what I heard. We that's both a, we both heard the trumpet. Hell yeah, good
0: question. Yeah, that's the first nice. one. All right. Um, all right so, I'm
1: still terrified.
0: Yeah, next question for you. And this <laughs> can go any way you want to go. Okay is there anything that you did want to talk about that we might have missed at all? In any episode, any book, completely wide open, is there something that if you go back and listen and think, you're like, you know, I just wanted to say this or I wanted to talk about that, but we didn't get there? I mean,
1: I don't know. We covered a lot. And off the top of my head... (laughs) I mean, I'm sure I could go back and criticize something, but I don't want to do that. Um, No, no. My answer is no. I don't think there is. Um, Is there,
0: uh, you? The one thing that I kind of wish we brought up in the last episode Uh that we didn't get to was the sequence of, you know, before you get to the end of the quest, you get tempted. Mm -hmm. And this idea of temptation And then we see the three Stephen Kings, who claim to be shapeshifters, and the id, ego, and super ego. And they present three different baskets, or two different baskets, with different things, food and supplies that they'll want. Clothing. And I definitely was, like, blown away. Thought that was bizarre. Thought it was terrifying. And, like, kind of turned this topsy-turvy world upside down we learned that the Crimson King literally did go mad and just murdered and killed everybody. And I thought it was an interesting framing device where the fantasy and modern psychological principles and psychoanalysis really become one. Mm-hmm. And many like modern writers study Joseph Campbell, which is the application of psychoanalysis to story and myth. I love him. And I thought that was the- a really good Campbellian moment to have the id, yeah. ego, and superego of Stephen King talking there, tempting our heroes. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And the basket turns out to be full of snakes. I do
1: think the last third of that book is some of the most horror we get. I mean, other than Callahan's story about vampires and Barlow, we, uh, you know, we, we don't get much more. I mean, there are things that are scary, but that felt to me like your classic Stephen King horror.
0: Yep. Yeah. You can feel that there's something off palpable. You can feel the tension right? and you can feel the danger in what really shouldn't be dangerous. You know,
1: maybe that's my biggest issue with Mordred. Maybe Mordred for me just wasn't scary enough. I I literally am having this thought as we talk about it. Maybe my biggest problem with, with that character is because, because the character fits the role in the story especially, excuse me, of the Aetherian legend. I mean, that, there, there's, there's no question that that piece of the book fits. But maybe the reason I don't like it is like is I'm not really that terrified of Mordred. I kind of look at Mordred and like, oh, okay, like this, this is, maybe that's what it is.
0: I will I agree. Know. I never really feel like Mordred is a
1: real threat. Like the death of the man in black. This, this is the moment that literally bothered me more than anything in the book series. And I talked about it when we read it. I just don't understand why Stephen King didn't take the opportunity to make that portion terrifying. You have two of the scariest images in this book: the man in black, you know, demon spider baby. <laughs> you know, I I just think that that piece could have been more frightening and a little more terrifying than it was, and maybe that's why I don't buy it. Up until the very end of the book, when oi, you know, kills.
0: There you go. That's something that we didn't hit that you wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I it's funny. Yeah. I
1: and, and because I because that but that piece of it really racked in my brain for a while because it's the only thing I've been utterly critical and super negative about, which I know we try to avoid on the cast, is like anything that's just that we just don't like because there's there's a subjective reason for that.
0: But also, there are plenty of media analysis podcasts dedicated
1: to hating things. Yeah, and I, you know, we don't need to do that. But we're here to celebrate. But I do, like, now that you mention it, maybe that, I think that's my biggest problem with with Mordred. Yeah,
0: I agree. At no point in time do I feel really afraid of Mordred, or do I feel scared of Mordred, or do I think Mordred might actually take down the content?
1: And you know, maybe that's the point. Maybe he's supposed to be pathetic. Like, the more I talk about it, like, You know, I have more and more revelations about this character. So, okay, yeah, no. So no, I didn't think I had something to talk about, but apparently I did. As
0: soon as Mordred kind of gets on the loose and is closing in on Susanna and Roland and Oi and Patrick, I mean, Stephen King goes out of his way to make sure that he is deathly ill. Right. And dying of food poisoning. Right. Making us think like, all right, there's no way this like, even even imbued with the evil of the Crimson King that this sick spider baby is going to take down Roland. Well, yeah, because that, that piece of him is killing him from the inside out. Right. Let's go to question three. Mm-hmm. So here we have it. What are, if any, interconnecting themes between the books? Ugh. Eddie et al., Man. wide open. Well,
1: there's a ton. I mean... The idea of Roland finding his soul throughout the whole thing, I mean, making, having no connection to anything in the first book but his guns, into the drawing of the three, literally pulling, you know, Detta, Odetta, and, and Eddie through into this world. I mean, he sacrifices... You know, we start from him sacrificing a child to him watching a child at the end sacrifice himself for Roland. And I do think that... <sighs> I mean that connects through the whole thing his relationship with Jake his, his he, Roland's growing heart his his swelling love for this group of people the relationship I mean I really do think that the strengthening of relationships goes from the first book to the last you have people who start off with really not strong ties Roland has nobody Eddie is a junkie his brother fucking hates him even though he loves him his mother's dead you know, Susanna doesn't have anybody.
0: I mean, she's got two people in her one who's actively right. trying to destroy her life. And then her trying to, you know, fight for civil rights. You have
1: Jake who's, whose parents. I mean, his mother loves him and like his father arguably tolerates him, but they're terrible people, you know? So Jake doesn't have anybody, but his nanny who's weirdly infatuated with him. And then you've, so you go the whole throughout the whole book. I mean, and then you have OI, Who lands in Jake's lap? There's another strengthening of a relationship. So I think bonds, relationships, promises, keeping promises to oneself, to others, to people you love, to people you care about, to understanding that love is actually the answer, not violence, that violence doesn't solve anything, that it literally brings nothing but problems and death and destruction but that when you build a foundation upon love and relationships, something can actually grow, which is why when Susanna leaves in the end, it makes sense because to her, she gained what she was looking for. Where Roland just has this selfish driving addicted need to get to the top of the tower, which he does. And then he starts all over again.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I totally agree with that connecting theme In particular, as how these main characters relate to each other. So we see in the joining of the three, a group of people pulled together through magic, circumstance, and force of will. And
1: people who don't want to be there.
0: And then in the wastelands, we see them coming together as a group. And then we see then in Wizard and Glass, them having to learn about their leader in order so that they can properly follow him. And then what happens immediately in Wolves of the Kala... They all start hiding from each other. They all start Mm -hmm. telling secrets from each other. They all start not coming clean with each other. And Jake is the only one that really gets this because he can literally read minds. Mm -hmm. And, And in this point, we start seeing Roland feeling alone again, having gone through all of these books just to make them be an actual quartet. Then their first trial, once they are like, a certified cotet. They are now one. They have their first real quest as a group, which is to defeat the wolves as they sort of like training ground to get them to the tower. And they all start withholding information, lying to each other and deceiving. And it rips the cotet even then. And I do think you're absolutely right. It's about the strengthening of these relationships and about valuing these relationships as ends of themselves and not as means that Roland needs to learn and that ultimately I think that's a, that is a huge good call out of interconnecting themes. Yeah. I have another that yeah. um, I think resonated that I, I I picked out of, I picked out from the books, I should say, which is addiction. Mm-hmm. Starting from the first book, mm-hmm. we have people with the devil grass that are chewing on it. The one that overdoses and then is brought back to life. Sheb. Yep. And then in the second book, we have Eddie who is an addict and he says and many times that Roland is addicted to the tower. Mm-hmm. Then we have in Wolves of the Kala, we have a recovering alcoholic and pair Callahan. And then um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think Song of Susanna. I don't think there's a direct addict in from there on in, but there's a theme of <laughs> addiction of putting your selfish mm-hmm. pleasure, pleasurable desires first and seeking them at all costs and running away from the ugly and horrible truths that addiction as a crutch and kind of surrendering to that addiction and being able to overcome it as a major step that I think helps solidify those very relationships we were just talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely, I totally it, agree. It isn't until Roland is no longer addicted to the tower at all costs that he can really care for this quartet.
1: And you know, I would also argue when Roland loses his three fingers on his right shooting hand in the very beginning, his addiction for killing, it, go, it doesn't go away. It never goes away. But he's slowed down. He's forced to rely on others, forced to look you know, in another direction. And so that addiction... The tower is still there, but the idea of killing all the time kind of lessens a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: he now will really struggle to do it on his own. He now needs the three. He now needs to draw a new quartet. He isn't just Roland who can rely on himself and his two guns when he can only use one now. It diminishes his capacity Mm -hmm. to kill, Mm -hmm. and that encourages his capacity to learn to care. I totally agree. That's a great point. Yeah. All right. Any other things we haven't hit on in no. terms of connecting themes? I mean. I don't think so. The easiest one, it's the name of the podcast, Cause a Wheel. Yeah. We talk about We about, about at, it every
1: episode. At length. Yeah. So we don't yeah. need
0: to bring that up again. Um, all right. So let me go on to my fourth question yeah, for hit you. Yeah, me. Let's go. I think I know the answer because we've already talked about this. Oh, yeah. Your least favorite character, uh, Mordred. Mordred.
1: Okay. My second least favorite character. Um. Oh, man, that's a good question. Let
0: me think on that. How about you? It's hard for me to pick a least favorite character. I so there's the my instinct is like characters that I love to hate. Andy the robot, I love to hate mm, that character. Sure. He's really annoying, and sure. you want him to go away. Sure. And what if like C three PO the annoying. Prissy, overly nice droid was <laughs> trying to murder you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I oh. really hate Andy the droid for wolves of the Kala. Mm, no thanks. But you're kind of supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, like
1: you're supposed you know, to you, dislike him. In, in 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 tandem with that, you know who I really dislike is Ben Sleitman. Oh is yeah. Is Ben is Benny's father? You know that guy is spineless. I mean, really, I of all of the human beings in this in in this entire story. The decision that he makes is just so despicable. Like, bro, you have a kid, like you have a child that you're supposed to protect. And here you're helping the opposition. He's, he's a dick. And and as
0: Roland says, you know what? If this was just about saving your kid from the wolves, that's fine. But Benny, you took the glasses, right? That's right. You took payment, Yeah. you know? So you sought Mm. to better yourself. It wasn't just about protecting your kid. Spineless. Yep. Absolutely. Totally hate Benny Slateman. Um Richard Sayre is
1: just Yo, you must have been reading my mind. Dude, Sayre is awful. I just hate that Sayre character. Sayre is
0: awful. Like, he's just so disgusting. He's so... I, I I don't like the character Mia, but I really hate the way Sayre treats Mia. Because he sure. manipulates her, convinces her to give up her immortality, and then is just so cruel. Makes me like lick his boot. Like, yeah, I, like hate, I, hate I him. Really hate Richard Sayer. <laughs> and like he sucks. You now another one of my least favorites. Any other least favorite? No, no. I probably know the answer to this question.
1: Well, you because were right you, the first time.
0: You have said this before. But I think now that we are at the end, I want to give you a chance to meditate and and you can you don't have to change your mind. I can can only imagine where you want to stay. Okay, other
1: than Roland, Uh, uh, your favorite character, Eddie, still still Eddie. It will never change. I I you know it's funny, Eddie. I really miss him in the last book. You know, I really do. I miss his presence. He's still very much alive through Susanna and through Jake and through Roland. But the thing I loved about Eddie through all of this is that when I, as the reader, needed just a little bit of levity, when I, as the reader, needed to laugh a little bit, because the one thing about Stephen King that I'm noticing and now reading other books of his is that he is fucking funny. He is funny. He can be a funny writer. And Eddie just always made me chuckle, always brought that sense of, of just a little bit of levity. And really, the person that he becomes, I mean, to me, he's some of the most human. You know? I mean, he—he he, he, in the beginning, he, you know, if you would have asked me the very first time around, Eddie would have been my, one of my least favorite characters. I thought he was selfish. I thought he was a prick. I thought he, he, was, he was mouthy. And then I started to sort of relate a little bit more to Eddie. I started to see Stephen King more in Eddie. I started to see like, what is Eddie's purpose? And then I watched his character arc just grow and develop. And I mean, yeah, it it, it is Eddie for me. I mean, other than Eddie, I know who my third favorite character is. Give me your third favorite. Why not? Oi. Oi. I mean, I talked about this. I don't know if it was the last, uh, it was the episode before last. Or no, maybe it was this last one. No, a, it was the last one. You've actually mentioned it a few times yeah, that Oi this time
0: around has it, become more and more of a favorite. And
1: it's because I got a dog two years ago. It is. And my my connection with that dog and seeing what Jake's connection is, just, just the two of them unconditionally loving each other. Also, Oi is the bravest person in the quartet. Well, not person. Bravest entity in the quartet. It's bravest not a person. sentient it's a, life form. yeah. yeah. <laughs> He, but but but, but of, of all of them, I mean, I mean, he really sticks to what he, I mean, he sticks to his guns, for lack of a better term, for all intents and purposes. Boop, 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 boop. Okay. <laughs> but 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 seriously, I mean, Oi, makes me feel every emotion. I'm terrified for him when he's about to lose his life. I love him for the way that he loves Jake and loves the quartet unconditionally. That's the thing. The only person in the content that loves unconditionally is OI. Every other person in that content, even Eddie and Susanna, they have conditions. They it was not love at first sight. Maybe for Eddie, but not for Susanna. Whereas OI, when OI and Jake meet that, that is the nucleus of this content. And just
0: because the other characters' love have some conditions, you're not calling them selfish.
1: I don't think they're selfish. No, I don't think conditions are selfish. But I just think that pure version of unconditional love that an animal can give you, that a pet can give you, that sometimes a human can't, because we complicate things. You know? We're messy. We're messy.
0: We are messy by definition. I love that. Okay. Uh,
1: Your favorite that's not Roland. You know, the first time around... For me, it was Pear Callahan. Yeah, I know.
0: I remember. Not in the book a lot. And, um, you know, and this time around, it was Pear Callahan. Callahan. Yeah. That yeah. has not changed. I didn't think it would. I love the content. Of the content, other than Roland, Jake is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, just
1: technically, of- the pair is part of the content. Yeah, but not through. Uh,
0: A bunch of the books. Sure. You know, he doesn't pop into Wolves of the Kala, and there he's only there for the Rules of the Kala, a little bit of the Song of Susanna. Right. And then at the very beginning of the Dark Tower, he sacrifices himself for Jake. I am constantly drawn to highly stoic, principled characters Mm -hmm. who are willing to die for their beliefs. (laughs) And Shocking. that That is something that I... Have always enjoyed in characters in fantasy epics, etc. Mm. That I've always liked the idea of.
1: Wait, who's your favorite character in the Lord of the Rings? King Theoden. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Continue. You see the connection, <laughs> you know? You see the connection.
0: Pair <laughs> King Theoden, pair Callahan. <laughs> Though this time around, I will say there were a few pegs in the Callahan mythos. Oh, well, speak about that. I hated that Pear Callahan and Roland decide that Susanna will have her baby. Yep. I and, remember
1: talking about that
0: and that That's I didn't shitty decision. I didn't pick up the first time around. Mm-hmm. And the second time around, I'm like, you know, Pear, I really like you. And I really like that. The character does have a sort of, um, unwavering dedication to his Catholic principles. That he, part is cool in theory, but then in practice you're like, oh, that's right. That stuff is really messed up Yeah, because two men can decide what a woman would or wouldn't yeah, do with say, her body. It's,
1: it's an old white man and a middle-aged white man. So like, you know, and
0: I didn't like that, but in general, I really like the idea also of a failed person who found his purpose and built a good life in the Cala mm-hmm. As the preparation to giving his life so Jake can live.
1: He's also, he's just a cool dude. He's awesome. You know, like he's got a really interesting take on Catholicism. He's got a really interesting take on the Kala. And, uh, you know, when you learn where he's from, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And it's also like he's liberal enough to
0: realize that, you know, he's been a closet homosexual most of his life. But he isn't liberal enough to be like, oh, well. Susanna has the Antichrist in her. Maybe we should, you know, like that part kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Time two through the series where the first time I didn't pick up on that as much. But at the end of the day, I still absolutely love that character. Makes sense. I also just love the transient hobo killing vampires through the multiverse. Yeah. That is a purely Stephen King thing. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. That has never existed before. For sure. And I would love a whole book of just Callahan's adventures, killing vampires before he gets to uh, ultimately gets to meet the man in black.
1: Yeah. I mean, we kind of, we get a little bit of that in in Wolves, but I hear that would be great. I would like a whole thing. Think of how
0: the incredible Hulk TV show. I mean, where he's just wandering <laughs> oh, yeah. around, except it's Pear Callahan wandering around. Yeah. Oh, man.
1: Drinking and killing vampires. My goodness. No, I'll tell you. I mean, you know, I, I've already started Salem's Lot, and you're, you're going to be happy. Let right. me just tell you. All right. Next question. Yeah. Here all we right. go. Six. So, number we're on six. Question six of eight. Okay.
0: Um, Eight, by the way, everyone, is an arbitrary number. Those were just all of the questions I could yeah. think of. Yeah.
1: We didn't like plan. We, again, we planned none of this. Least favorite book. Least favorite book. Oh. oh, song of Susanna. I just the whole Mia thing and you know, Mordred, it, it to me, it felt the least connected to everything. Um, it feels disjointed, it doesn't I, I'm just not simply in love with it. it. for me, it was one of the most arduous books to read. It took me the longest, even though it is. He's one of the, the shortest. shortest yeah. yeah. I mean, I, but, but it just didn't grab my attention the way that the other books did. Um, I mean, it's certainly nowhere near as fucking weird and, and mystic as the first book. And I think there is something to be talked about that the first book, even though it's the start of this series, it definitely feels like it's its own thing. It sort of feels like the first book, and 4.5 which i always forget the name of to the keyhole key right i feel like those are the book of the series i mean obviously the first one is duh but it, but that one feels so young and so the gunslinger yeah the gunslinger feels so different and i think that's okay but yeah my least favorite book is the 6th one song of susanna
0: okay yeah. i um i struggle with this question because i adore them all for a whole host oh, of different reasons yeah certainly I think Song of Susanna, its merits is that there's a lot of really great exposition that helps kind of link everything that's happened. Sure. That's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of the metaphysic and cosmological way this multiverse works through Mia talking to Song of Susanna. It's definitely one of my least favorites. Um,
1: But what is your least favorite?
0: I would, I'd have to say second time around. It was book one. The gunslinger is my least favorite. Interesting. It, it is a great book. Yeah. So when I say it's my least favorite of my favorite sure. book series, it's still one of my favorite books. Sure. I absolutely love it. But compared to the rest of the fantasy series, it's rough. It's a little raw. There is a current of dark misogyny through it. I mean, Roland aborts a woman's baby for her. Yeah. Right. Going back to that other right. theme. Sure. Uh, the main hero slaughters an entire town over like a miscommunication between him and the, the town's pastor. She has <laughs> yeah, like 53 people. He slaughters a child to get to there. That's why I call him murder cowboy. There is to me the the gunslinger is the surrealist like, aspect to this series. And if I evaluate them as a series, Mm -hmm. it's the one that fits the least into the the whole. That being said, I think it's a phenomenal book. Oh, sure. And Sure. And if it stopped there, it would be perfect. But it continued on and six other books followed it. And The Gunslinger fits the worst in What Follows, even though I admit What Follows wouldn't have existed without The Gunslinger. And I adore the book. I can like feel angry tweets coming at me no. right now.
1: <laughs> no, I mean I hear what you're saying. You know the only reason why I really chose Song of Susanna over the Gunslinger honestly is that the Gunslinger starts with quite literally the best opening of ever any book I've ever read. And the fact that it sets the tone for the entire series whether he knew it or not when he wrote it. And the second thing is that final scene between the man in black and the gunslinger. It it really makes me understand what midworld is or at least a beginning understanding of what midworld is and what their relationship is because I think if I leave the first book not giving a fuck about the man in black versus the gunslinger, why would I read the second book? Agreed. Why would I care? You know, and I think that's the only reason is that I still felt I don't know even in Song of Susanna there it just it didn't feel like it had a certain life that the rest of the series had but those are the two reasons why the only reasons why I chose Song of Susanna over the Gunslinger.
0: Yes and while I would agree that of the series if I'm if I'm trying to evaluate just pure like 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 book literary critic snob <laughs> what book do I think is the best versus the worst I would probably put Song of Susanna at the bottom. Because its sole purpose is to exposition yeah. dump an yeah. interlude between Wolves right. of the Cala and the Dark Tower. Right. It it is just an artifact of the plot. It does do some interesting things with some of the characters. I do think there is some character development there, but because it's the it's shorter compared to the book before and after it, it really does feel like just an interlude. And where I think the gunslinger is, while Rawl is brimming with talent. And vibrant and alive, and, and I am in that world from the first sentence. I am hooked, and so I would agree in that respect. Yeah, if I evaluate them as the series, I think the Gunslinger does kind of thematically stand apart as like a just a
1: different type of book. Well, we also left out Wind Through the Keyhole because because I don't think of it as part of the series. Same, See, same. we read it chronologically, thanks to a fan who, who had asked, which thank you again, whoever that was, thank you for, for asking us to do that. We discovered that we hated it, but I really appreciate that we did that. But the truth is I don't, I almost see that as a companion piece to the seven book series. So I'm going to say that everything we just said for the last five minutes is valid because it is, I just don't think of wind through the keyhole. I don't, I personally don't think it's probably it, my, I mean, honestly, that's my least
0: favorite. I think it, I think of it in the same way. I think of it as the add on to the series.
1: Yeah. I was like, you know, a few years later, Stephen King wanted to revisit and have a cool couple stories. Now. Also, I will say, you know, maybe it's because we read it in number order that I don't think about it. Cause it's just like, no, oh, okay, whatever. Can we please get the wolves of the collar? Can we get back to like the thing we are building? So I don't know. Yeah, th- I that's just figured fair. that was worth mentioning.
0: I do think you're supposed to read Winds Through the Keyhole after you finish. Oh, the you Dark most Tower. certainly are. It came I out do. like
1: six years after the book series ended.
0: I do, because I don't think it really fits neatly. Chronologically, it fits, but no. I think thematically. So Winds Through the Keyhole is about giving a strong air of redemption. It's fan To a character, Roland. Yeah. Who, chronologically, Hasn't earned that redemption yet. Sure, exactly. He's earned it once we've gone through the whole story. Right. But thematically, it's like, this isn't the point where Roland gets redeemed. No, when we read it, I was like, what?
1: (laughs) This is is totally different. It's a little early for Roland to be redeemed. And that's the thing. I mean, it was a fun experiment. It was a fun little experiment. I mean, I will do anything, you know, well, most things. Like if a fan says, hey, could you please do this? We're going to do it, right? But, But I... Uh, let's couch that within reason. Well, that's why I just said, I mean, I didn't say we'd do anything. I'm not crazy. I think you did literally just say we would do well, anything. No, I, I backed it up. Okay. Fair enough. There we go. So, you know, I, just, just for reference, we wouldn't do anything. Okay. We won't do anything that anybody asks. You just got to be careful. Yeah. Well, you know, this
0: is the, we're putting this on the internet again, here. This is, this, is the, this
1: is the fireside <laughs> chat. Y'all you're getting the fireside <laughs> chat now,
0: but no, I, you know, so let's move on.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Number but Question seven. seven. In a more positive, what framed? Oh. Favorite book? It hasn't changed. It is book four, Wizarding Glass. It, it, it was the first time I read it, it was the second time. Even though I connected more with Eddie this time around, finally getting to learn about Roland and to just put humanity and empathy and love and struggle. And, and I mean, it really rounds him out as a character so that for the next three books, I do care about Roland because up until that point, I'm starting to think like, damn, dude, this guy's kind of pushy. He really doesn't have any heart, no soul for these characters. He's just a killer. Like, that's not interesting. And then you learn why he is the way he is and you're like, oh, fuck. That makes a lot more sense. Of course, a genius like Stephen King is not just going to make a character without reason. But if I didn't have Wizard and Glass, I wouldn't have cared about Roland. And I don't know if I would have continued reading the book series.
0: I I know where you're coming from. When Wizard of Glass, when I read that the first time, it sort of revitalized me on my trip to the tower because I was feeling a little bit of fatigue after Wastelands. Yeah. And that fatigue was in the, the darkness, the- And I think that's on purpose. The brutal violence. Yeah. The, man, are these characters ever going to get anywhere? And wow, why am I rooting for them again? And this was- Oh, that's because this is a knight on an epic quest. Exactly. Who has dealt with the worst tragedy that started when he was a child. Yeah. And um I loved Rhea of the Yes, yeah. I, I loved the and epic coffin
1: hunters. And Susan's relationship, Susan Delgado's relationship with with Roland is it's real and it feels good and it feels humane. And, and even though it's even though it's it's a little uh <sighs> It's a little scandalous. It's a little behind the curtain. You know, it's a little non-honest in the in the front view in society. It feels real, you know, and it feels for the first time that Roland feels what it is to love, what it is to dedicate himself to someone. And that when he realizes that this is one of the first people that dies on his quest to the tower that he loves, well, it's downhill from there.
0: Yeah, uh, well said absolutely well said your favorite book it's an exceptional book uh one last thing to say about wizard in glass is wizard in glass was to me also when i felt really connected to the fantasy roots Mm -hmm. in this where i felt like in order for me to continue i needed to feel a little element of fantasy involved in it where i was feeling a little bit too much of the dystopia of the wastelands. I mean, it's called the wastelands yes, for sure. I, I think like not like supposed to feel that way. And I, w- I really was interested in the magic and the, you know, amazingness in this weird fantasy cowboy world that we were in. And it did revitalize me and gave me the energy uh, to put my imagination into the rest. The second time around, I didn't have any fatigue at all. Knowing what was coming, I just mm-hmm. devoured it all. The first time there was a little bit of fatigue after the wastelands. Um, for me, my favorite When my favorite is definitely the last book. Really? It is absolutely The Dark Tower.
1: Oh, talk about that. I, You know what? That blows my mind because I didn't think that's what you were going to
0: say. It wasn't my first time reading the series, but it is easily my second time. It is a very big book. A lot happens from both a plot standpoint and a lot happens to our characters. There is something about this conclusion that if it doesn't have the end that it had, it wouldn't justify the beginning. I put out a tweet. Oh, follow Midnight Myth on Twitter, at the Midnight Myth, Facebook, Instagram, all that shit. Um, I put out a tweet where I'm like, I read The Dark Tower, and if you've read the coda, and if you're listening to us now, you have. You realize why I had to reread it again, because it starts over. Because the first book and the last book have the same sentence, I needed to reread this so that I could put my head around it. And knowing the entire time that it would go right back to where it was, the second time around, I was asking myself, what can I truly learn? And to me, all of the lessons really come out in the last book. And it really brings home the, like, to me, the big questions of how far are you willing to sacrifice and what are you willing to sacrifice yeah, to get what you want? That's a great point. That's you a know, great like, point. And to what point should you be sacrificing? It has the Stephen King horror. It has the Stephen King Western. It has the Stephen King fantasy. It has the Stephen King bizarre and gross and strange and uncomfortable It has everything that I like in the series wrapped up in one, and we get to see the tower. We get to the tower, and I still think the best reading, the best thing that I've read in this series, and some of the best things that I've read in my life is that phrase when Roland shouts the names and gets into the tower.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why we started the last episode with it. I mean, it's incredibly powerful. It also is as a reader, it makes you take in all of the people that sacrifice themselves for Roland's quest, whether they knew it or not. Everybody from, you know, hacks, the cook to Susan Delgado to, to Jake, Eddie and Susanna. And I think, you know, when I was listening back to the, to the episode yesterday, um, you know, just to hear it. You know, I always kind of go back and listen a little bit, even if I don't listen to the whole thing. Um, Cause I hate hearing myself, but I, I, you know, I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, the, the, the seventh book has everything you want. I, I'm just a sucker. I'm a sucker for that fourth book, man. There's I am nothing. Oh, wrong no. with that. Oh, I know. I just, nothing wrong. Even even like reading it a second time. I was so giddy to get there. I read the wastelands in like record time.
0: <laughs> but you know, one of the things with wizard, why I, I, personally can't rate it as my favorite
1: though. I think it's exceptional. It's not about our content. I know. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's kind of crazy that I choose. It still is my favorite, but I think the reason why is that I would not follow the content. If I didn't understand Roland's M.O.
0: That's totally cool.
1: And the fact that I even read three books, two of them being particularly sizable books, not knowing about Roland to get to that fourth book and finally learn why I'm holding on that. I don't know that feeling just it's not that it, it's because getting to the tower for me was never the, the object. It, it never felt that way. It was always learning more about the katet and their relationships and what made those people want to go on this journey. Why the fuck would Roland want to do this again and again? You know, that's the one thing I've been meditating on since the last episode. Why? I don't want to answer it because we're already past this question. So it's unfair for me to bring it up. But why over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, other than finding his soul and my little ethereal theory, why would anyone in their right fucking mind choose to do this over and over again? Because cause a wheel. Right. He hasn't chosen. Right.
0: right. Yeah. He doesn't get choice. It's not his choice. All right, man. Listen, it never was. I totally hear that. Um, Wait. Can I ask you then, second favorite book, yeah. before we get to my last question.
1: Second favorite book, Drawing of the Three. Yeah. Dada Chum, Dada Chi, look yeah. who's got the key.
0: Yeah. Well, Drawing it's the fir- of the Three, wow. Yeah, okay. It's
1: the first time I meet Eddie, and it's it really, it's a challenging book. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's a, we talked about it. It's kind of difficult to read the Dada Odetta stuff, um, but it makes me feel like, like I've never read a book like that. I've never read a book quite like, okay, I've got this protagonist and I know that the author took like 15 years, 20 years in between writing the books, but it, it feels cohesive. And like, I've got this, I've got murder cowboy. Like I'm all in on murder cowboy. And you know, when we're here and murder cowboy loses his hand and then he pulls in junkie boy from New York city. And like, what is happening? And I, and I don't know that book really set the tone for me. Um, for what a wild ride this is. And I just think Stephen King's writing his love for wanting to start the journey of the tower. Again, it feels fresh. It feels different. It feels, even though it feels like a part of the series, it still feels a little different. It feels a little edgier. It feels a little, it's a little more difficult to read. Whereas the wastelands is just a dirge because it's depressing. Uh, I almost feel anxious reading the drawing of the three it's, I mean, I mean, I mean, Eddie fights fucking naked. I mean, like, it's exciting. It's, it's an action. It's a Western. It's a horror. It's everything the seventh book is, but it's the introduction of the cattet.
0: Love it, dude. I have no counter argument. I think that's a
1: fantastic call out. And then after that, Wolves. But then.
0: Yeah, Wolves is my second favorite. Absolutely. I mean, I I thought
1: that's what your your favorite was going to be.
0: With Pear Callahan being my favorite character, the book where Pear Callahan is introduced and he rallies the townspeople, we've talked about the theme of the common Falcon, the common person that uh, King likes to play with and likes to accentuate their virtues nowhere does that come more clearer than in the kala um it's based off of the kurosawa movie mm-hmm. the 7th samurai i want to say i'm blanking on that internet i could have gotten that one wrong cuz i didn't prepare it bad mm-hmm. podcast host but um i love the epic feel i love that it is now that the the katet is truly katet mm-hmm. it puts them through a really insane and tough trial and not that the trials that came before
1: were easy by any stretch of the imagination no it, but now they have to fight murder robots yeah i i think it's interesting i think it this might be completely off cuff but it feels like that i really like beginnings and you really like established endings that's not that's just a total observation
0: i, I don't know if that if i'm going to say that like I, Ad infinitum.
1: Like, I don't know sure. if that
0: applies.
1: Well, no, I'm talking about the but dark tower. In
0: This respect. I see exactly what you're saying.
1: Because I mean, think of our analysis of why are there, there are favorite or at least favorite books. Mm-hmm. I just think that's interesting. That's all
0: it is. It is indeed. I have my eighth and final question for you. Oh man. As we all know, the dark tower is a meta story in the respect that it is very much a story about stories it has Stephen King as an author in it. We have the author and the created, and Roland and Eddie meeting their author, having conversations with Stephen King. Stephen King even writes himself into it in that he becomes the literal Deus Ex Machina, where he's doing things like putting the Scapulda in the bag of Black 13, and he's writing a friendly note to solve the riddle of Dantelo to Susanna. So I've thought that this last question, let us be a little meta. Let's ask ourselves, and I will ask you specifically, Steve. Okay. If it is you that enters the tower and not Roland, and it is you that climbs to the top of the tower, what does the tower show you, and where does it put you, if anywhere?
1: Fuck. (laughs) Well, I could tell you what it shows me. I am only 32 years old, so I haven't lived a very long life, but the thing that I have been, I don't like using this word because I'm not a religious person, but I I, I like it for this this context, um, is I feel very blessed to have had incredibly strong relationships in my lifetime, Uh, be it my parents, my family, my wife, my friends, My chosen family. And I think the reason why I like the Dark Tower so much is because that's what it's about. And that if I got to the top floor, I would see everybody that's ever had a major impact in my life and I would hear their voices. I I don't think it's actually much different from what Stephen King envisions. Um, I could tell you now, it would be, I don't think I can make the same decision that Roland makes. I don't think I could sacrifice all of those people for my quest to the tower. that That's not me. That's not the way that I would roll. I'm not that strong. I'm stubborn, but I'm not that stubborn. <laughs> Man, that's a good question. But that's the first thing that comes to my mind. If
0: the tower were to draw you in on the top floor, what do you imagine would happen? Would it? reset you somewhere would you be in paradise would it like what would you be in hell
1: no i wouldn't be in hell it would reset i think it would reset i think there are a lot of things in my own lifetime um obviously we all have things we would want to do again and make different choices um (laughs) i think i'd like to go through it again if i were at the top floor of the tower to learn some of the things that i've learned And actually apply them. I think one of the things as an adult, especially now in a weird time in pandemic, is that I'm feeling like I'm not able to put the things I've learned as an adult into action yet for whatever reason. So I think it would, I think of this rambling, it would put me back at like nine years old. Uh, shortly, you know what, here, I'll give you a little personal story. Please do. When I was seven years old, my father, who at that time was the superhero, my hero, still in, in a lot of ways is, had his first heart attack. He was 38 years old. I was seven. I watched him. He's the first person I've ever seen on a stretcher. He's the first person I've ever seen with needles and plugs and shit coming out of his body. I would start over like two years after that literally at like nine years old, because at nine and 10, like when I was really young, I had this crazy sense of confidence. I really like wasn't scared of anything. And then when I saw when he had his heart attack, I've never said this. When he had his heart attack, that put a lot of fear of life into me. I've never said that, dude. Wow. Um yeah. I, I that that moment I would it would take me like right back there. Wow. Yeah.
0: Heavy stuff, man. Yeah,
1: sorry. That, I don't mean to no. get heavy, but I if anybody that knows me, there's like, oh, yeah, cool, Steve's telling another life story. You know what though?
0: I think that is beautiful Whoa. and amazing. And I, you know, I asked this question of you with no preparation because I wanted to know your gut reaction, where it would take you and what your thought on that question would be. Yeah. And I applaud you for going to a place that was deep, that was vulnerable, that you just shared that with all of our
1: listeners. Yeah. I share that with the world. Wow. Okay. That's really amazing. (laughs) It really, truly, truly is. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. is like when I lost that sense of complete self-confidence. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a pretty good place. Yeah. All right. Well, what about you? Well, I mean the same, the same question.
0: You know, I stand at the top of the tower I think knowing me, I would probably be the type of person that would still be like, this tower's not real. I'm not standing in an actual place. And there is no top. But if there is a top, it would be empty. Cause I that would probably be me, because anyone who knows me personally knows that I, you know, while I love storytelling and mythology, I don't think it's literally true. No,
1: you are very much a realist.
0: Um, I would say that I am an enlightenment rationalist, but <laughs> Realist means something very different. And from my perspective, you know, that I, you know, I think that the universe is orderly and understandable through enlightenment, rational principles. That being said, if I'm standing at the axis mundi of the entire multiverse and it pulled me in, I, I mean, I, I, I would like to think. You know, I end every Midnight Myth standard non-bonus episode with the words, be kind. And I'm telling that to myself because my nature hasn't always been to be kind. So it's a reminder to me and to everyone that listens that you should try to be an empathetic and kinder human. And if I got the opportunity to take a little bit of what I am now and to relive part of my life, I would want to take that with me mm-hmm. to make sure that I was kinder more frequently, in particular as a like young, privileged dude in this country, that I wasn't always kind. It took me a long time to try to remind myself that you should be good to humans no matter what, and that should be your guiding principle as you go through life. And, um, for me, I think that's what I think the tower is calling to me. And my connection to Roland as a character is in part because he's so privileged because he comes from granted a nuclear wasteland of a world moving on, but he is literally the heir to a kingdom. He is the Prince of Gilead. And because he is so privileged, he has to learn to really learn to love again And the greatest thing I've learned as an adult is to learn to love. And I wish that in my journey, some of the mistakes that I've met made have been when I have been a jerk. And that jerk came from privilege. It came from a lack of human empathy. And I wish that I, and I had that as a child and I wish that I never lost that as a young adult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if the tower were to recycle anything for me, that I could take with me, if it could be my cusp horn from the battle of Jericho mm-hmm. that I could take with me, I would hope it would be that knowing that it's the tower probably wouldn't be anything like that at all.
1: Oh, well, you never know.
0: But if
1: I were standing at the top, I mean, remember the tower shows Roland Roland's view. I don't think the tower shows everybody deep, dark, awful things. Cause not everybody is a deep, dark, Murder well, cowboy.
0: You go through each yeah. you know, layer. Right. You go through a year of your life and you get an artifact from that. Mm. But at the top,
1: what does it show Roland? Right. Nothing. Now it what takes about right back to what the What about beginning. the first part of the question? Like if you got to the top of the tower, what would you see? I mean, to
0: me, it's like, what would you see? What would happen? Take that any way you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I would take it as if, but the for tower, you. if the tower were to take me in. Yeah. I would like it to take me into the precipice of from being a child Mm -hmm. to a young man. Mm -hmm. And hopefully I take with me the lesson to be kind. Yeah, that's great. And that's what I would hope to happen. It's beautiful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is our wrap up. Do you have anything (gasps) else? Those were, those were my eight questions. Thank you for, you know, just major respect, Steve, to come in blind Mm -hmm. with a list of interview questions that you didn't know ahead of time. I
1: mean, that's the way I roll. I would much rather just, just throw them at me. You know, I, I mean, come on, man. Is it any different from any podcast we've done? You, I literally almost at the beginning of every podcast, you're like, "So, Steve, here's this really monumental question that I have that we've never talked about before. What do you think?" And then I have to stop. It's like, "Oh, uh, let me think about that."
0: Oh yeah, I'm a stinker. And no, no,
1: it's great. It keeps me on my toes. I have to tell you, man. I um, I have I have started I have started Salem's Lot, literally halfway through the book because we're in a pandemic. I'm I, Crazy excited to talk about that book in in the terms of the tower. I just want to say thank you again. I know I did a whole thank you in the beginning of the, enough, the first episode.
0: thank yous. We get no, it. You're no, no, Paul. no. I'm but kidding. you know,
1: but I think it's important. You know, you came. Everybody who listens, um, you know, you've come along on this journey, and here we are, literally at the very end. Um, you know, if if there's any question that we asked ourselves tonight that you f- want to you know share with us. Please on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you can find the Midnight Myth, share it with us. We would love to know. Um, I mean, Derek and Laurel—they read everything. You know, I don't get to see everything because because I, I just don't get to. But they read everything. I get to hear about everything though, which I'm very fortunate about.
0: Yeah, but I, I also think we should, as we prepare Salem's Lot for our next episode, mm-hmm. the idea that I'm kind of running with, and we're kind of sure. ad hocing this: should we put a Twitter poll up? Or the next yeah. Stephen King book? Yeah, you want definitely. To do that? definitely. Uh, we've, I've gotten two suggestions on Twitter today. One of them was It, and I don't remember what the other one was. So, But those Listen. will both be in it. It was It and another one. I forget Listen, what that who, was.
1: to whoever suggested It, it's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I am deathly afraid of clowns. Deathly. Deathly afraid of clowns. Literally, I, I can't imagine. I read the first half of, of of Salem's Lot in three days, and I threw the book across the room today, which I've never done with The Dark Tower, by the way. By the time we get to it, I'm I don't know what we're gonna have to. They might have to admit me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but well, we're doing it. We're no, do I, it. you know, I looked at my wife two days ago. I was like, you know what we 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 we've decided to do this. I'm gonna have nightmares for the next like five years of my life, and I'm fine with that. Because I love this project too much.
0: I love that you're sacrificing I'm ready a good to go. night's sleep uh, for a podcast. I'm
1: ready to go. I'm ready to go.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that is dedication. Uh, listen,
1: I mean, but also the books are so good. Like Stephen King, like, I, the one thing I will say, it, like reading Salem's Lot, it's a different Stephen King. It is. Uh, that's all I will say. It, yeah. But it feels really good.
0: Hold that thought. Cause I I'm also gonna, haven't read it. I know. I know. I'm looking I've, I, forward to it.
1: I've bore asked you about getting on this book for like uh, two days now, 48 hours. It literally entered your home like 24 hours ago. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. I've read through the first half of the book. What have you done?
0: Well, anything else on the tower recap, my friend?
1: No, no, Everyone, I don't think so. Thank you very much for going thank on you. this. Thank you.
0: This was very much for Steve and I. So we hope you enjoyed it. Mm. And um, until next time, long days and
1: pleasant nights. Long days and pleasant nights.